Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kidshenu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week we are reading in the Torah that God gave the land of Israel to Abraham and to his descendants. It's the beginning of a story of the Jewish people, those who are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the beginning of the 3,900-year history that the Jewish people have with the land of Israel. And I want to use the first portion this morning to compare what the Scriptures teach us to what Hamas in Gaza says about the Jewish people in the Promised Land. The Wall Street Journal reported this week, I'll read to you from their article, that the Hamas Charter adopted in 1988 declares that only Muslims are indigenous to the land that is now Israel, so Jews can never belong there. And they quote from the charter of Hamas, the land of Palestine is an Islamic endowment consecrated for future Muslim generations until Judgment Day. The article goes on and says, likewise, the charter states that peaceful solutions are in contradiction to the principles of the Islamic resistance movement, and quote, that there is no solution for the Palestinian question except through jihad. So Hamas rejects biblical history, secular history, and the legal establishment of the modern state of Israel. Hamas is founded on a Nazi-like doctrine of cleansing the land of Jewish people, Judenrein, through violence and extermination. This kind of hatred of the children of Israel and the land of Israel has a very long history. And we can read about it in Psalm 83, when the psalmist calls out to God and says, God, do not remain quiet. Do not be silent. God, do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar, and those who hate you have exalted themselves. They make shrewd plans against your people and conspire together against your treasured ones. They have said, take note of this, because this is from the Psalms, come, let's wipe them out as a nation so that the name of Israel will no longer be remembered. So this kind of hatred has a long history. It's important for us right now to be clear, Hamas is engaged in what they consider to be holy war. The October 7 atrocities did not take place in a vacuum. There was a context to them. The rapes, the beheadings, the hostage-taking, the murdering of Israeli civilians, including babies, children, elderly, along with the ongoing attacks by Hamas, all those did not take place in a vacuum. The context to remember is that Hamas was founded to carry out jihad, holy war, to exterminate the Jews and eradicate the state of Israel. That is the context to remember. Don't forget it. 
In its 2017 Statement of Principles and Policies, Hamas asserts, and I quote, there is no alternative to a fully sovereign Palestinian state on the entire national Palestinian soil with Jerusalem as its capital. Now there is another context that's important to take note of. Hamas rules Gaza with tyranny, with terror, and with subjugation. And that's why the Jewish community in my hometown, Roanoke, Virginia, issued a statement boldly condemning Hamas for their barbarous atrocities against the people of Israel and for Hamas terror against Palestinians. I'll read to you from their statement. This is not just an Israeli or Jewish problem. It is an affront to all of us. And it goes on to say, we are also sensitive to the suffering of the Palestinian people who have been subjugated for many years by a brutal regime which built a terror network rather than developing a more democratic and prosperous society. I want you to know these details so that you can think clearly and so that you can reason clearly with other people. Hamas is a terrorist group. And they're engaged in what they frame as holy war. Now, from our side, the war is not a holy war. However, from the side of Hamas, it is. And I want to read to you several statements from the Hamas founding charter from Article 11. The Islamic resistance movement believes that the land of Palestine is an Islamic waqf, an endowment consecrated for future Muslim generations until Judgment Day. Article 15, the day that enemies usurp part of Muslim land, jihad becomes the individual duty of every Muslim. In face of the Jews' usurpation of Palestine, it is compulsory that the banner of jihad be raised. So of course we disagree with these statements. There are many reasons to stand with Israel against Hamas, and I think this is a good time to consider three of those reasons. The first one I want to bring to your attention is this. We believe that the Lord gave the land of Israel to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why the land was central to their lives. It's even why Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their wives were buried in the area now known as Hebron, which is universally recognized as their burial place even today. Second reason, the children of Israel have history in the land of Israel that goes back thousands of years. The children of Israel returned to the land after the exodus from Egypt. King David established Jerusalem as the capital of the land of Israel. The Jewish temple, Solomon's temple, was built in Jerusalem. And that's where the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua, often taught and his disciples would regularly gather. The Romans knew this and confirmed that the New Testament writers confirmed this. The third reason, the modern state of Israel was legally founded and established as a homeland for the Jewish people. It was recognized by the United Nations. It became the Jewish side of what had been the British mandate of Palestine. The Arab side of, the Brit of what had been the British mandate is now the modern kingdom of Jordan. So it's good to know this so you can disagree with the idea that the Jewish people have no history 
and no claim on the land of Israel? For these and other reasons, we affirm that the modern state of Israel has the right to exist as the homeland of the Jewish people. And like every legal state, Israel has the right to defend its citizens and to establish safe and secure borders. We need to be really clear. Hamas wants to cleanse the land of Jews. It's committed to violent jihad against the Jews in order to accomplish this. Hamas and other terrorist groups, such as Hezbollah and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Palestinian Islamic Jihad is the uh, apparent group that launched that rocket that ended up causing so much uh, death and destruction on the hospital in Gaza. It was blamed on Israel, but it wasn't uh, according to the forensics that have been reported, it wasn't an Israeli attack, it was simply a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket that was meant to hit Israel, but it broke up and landed in Gaza. So these groups want to fight a holy war against the state of Israel and the Jewish people. And Hamas allies are calling for violent support to Hamas. I received um, a public service announcement this week from the Department of uh, Homeland Security and the FBI. And this is a couple of things that said on October 13th, Al-Qaeda media called for support to Hamas through attacks against American bases, airports, battleships, and embassies in predominantly Muslim countries. On October 19th, an ISIS media posting urged followers to, quote, target the Jewish presence all over the world, especially Jewish neighborhoods in America and Europe, and specifically encouraged attacks on Jewish temples, nightclubs, and economic interests, and against, quote, Jewish and Crusader embassies. The movement that's called the Free Palestine Movement is committed to cleansing the land of Jewish people from the Mediterranean to the Jordan River. This violent policy is evil. It's a continuation of the Nazi German policy of extermination of the Jews in order to cleanse the land of Jewish people. And so we say, never again. And never again is now. I'm grateful for each of you who has expressed solidarity with us and with Israel during this time. I want to thank each of you who has written or sent a text or an email or spoken to us expressing your solidarity and your support. It means a lot to us. And today we'll be handing out blue ribbons for Israel for everyone here who wants. I'm wearing one of those ribbons right now. Our Zoom camera may be able to pick it up. I'm not sure. And you can pick one up. You can wear it if you like. You can also take a few home to give to family and friends who will stand in solidarity with Israel. Remember this, never again is right now. Now is the time to take a stand. So that's segment one. Now let's switch gears and we'll study this week's Torah portion together. We're reading about Abraham. Abraham had what I like to call 
kadima faith, faith that moves forward. For Abraham, going forward with God meant leaving some things and embracing other things. The life of faith is different from all other ways of living. What we leave and what we embrace are unique to the life of faith. It's different from other ways of living. Noah's life of faith was an example. There was a sharp contrast between Noah, who trusted and obeyed God, and his generation, which disregarded and disrespected the Lord. And consider those who built the Tower of Babel. They worked to make themselves great, but they disregarded and they disrespected the Lord. They forgot their Creator and their Lord. This week in Torah, we are introduced to an amazing couple, Abraham and Sarah, and they're different because they find purpose and they find pleasure in the life of faith. Abraham's life of faith includes many different seasons and defining moments. We read about the first chapter of his life this week in Parshat Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha means get yourself up and out. Let's read today in Genesis 12. Here we have the call of Abraham and the response of Abraham. Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Avram, get yourself up and go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Get yourself up. Lech Lecha. I think that the call of God is a call to action. This is part of faith. God calls, He directs, He leads, and we have to do the getting up and the going. That's our part. Unless we're moving, direction really doesn't matter. We need direction when we are moving. So we need to know what direction is forward. There were three aspects of leaving for Abraham. He had to leave the land he grew up in. He had to leave the greater people that he had grown up with and was familiar with, and he had to leave his own family. Your leaving may have involved the same. So many of us have moved to get here. How many here right now move from somewhere else to get here? <laughs> Most of us. I still am always surprised to meet someone who was born in Jacksonville. There are people, and the younger ones, of course. But many of us moved to get here. We were born elsewhere. Many were born in another country. For many, the first language may have been different. For some of us, it isn't so much about the physical move as it is about the change of community. Genesis 12, verse 2 and 3. The Lord says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Or as one translation says, be thou a blessing. The Lord says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will bless themselves through you. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 echoes this, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place 
he would later take or receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and he went without knowing where he was going. And in this week's portion in Genesis 15, 7, the Lord also told Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take and possess. I want you to think for a moment about what God was telling Abraham about his future and the promises that God had regarding what his life was all about. Abraham leaves a land in order to receive a land. Abraham leaves a nation in order to become a nation. And Abraham leaves his father in order to become a father. And I think that the journey that each of us takes may be different, but since Abraham is our father, his experiences will be repeated in our lives. Different details, but the same pattern. And this is echoed in a conversation between Peter and Yeshua. It's recorded in Mark chapter 10. You can turn there, Mark 10, verse 28 through 30. Peter began to speak up, and he said to Yeshua, we've left everything in order to follow you. Verse 29, Yeshua replied, yes, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. So, our significance is linked to Abraham. At any moment, we may seem insignificant, but our true value may be invisible to the world around us or unnoticed by others. That's what Yeshua is telling Peter. Even so, we are called to be great blessings to other people now in this world. So God issues a call to Abraham, and let's consider Abraham's response. It's so succinctly described in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Avram went as the Lord had told him. Isn't that straightforward? God spoke, told Abraham what to do, and Abraham went as the Lord had told him. His faith moved him forward. The life of faith is intended to move us forward. And Abraham's life is foundational for everyone who would follow the Lord. Abraham, the Scripture teaches us, is the father of all who are faithful. His life is a pattern for us. Whether we were born Jewish or from another people group, and this is the essence of Paul's description in Romans chapter 4. It's why Paul focuses on the life of faith rather than 
just religious beliefs and practices or doctrines, we're not going to examine that chapter, but I encourage you to take time this week to read it yourself. Abraham is our father because we walk in his footsteps. So it's worthwhile for you to learn about Abraham's life. This will help you make sense of your own life and also the lives of others. Remember what Yeshua said? You will receive, if you left houses, children, parents, etc., you will receive them a hundred times in this world. And Everyone's whispering who's answering. <laughs> Say it proudly. <laughs> you know, on me, on three, persecution. One, two, three, persecution. <laughs> really. Yeshua was saying it like this. You're going to be blessed and there will be persecution. Get used to it. Don't be in shock about it. Life will not make sense to you if, if you're claiming to be a son or a daughter of Abraham and Sarah and you don't understand some of these details, you'll always be confused. But if you see the pattern clearly and you understand Yeshua's clear teachings on this pattern of faith, it will help you make sense of life that you're leading and that others are leading too. Now, for the balance of our time, I want to share with you some thoughts about the life of faith. The life of faith begins with our recognition of God. It cannot begin until we first recognize God. Scripture says, those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to recognize that he exists. We have to recognize he's real. We have to recognize he's God. He's not something else. He's not the product of rich imagination. He's not a philosophical abstract. He is personal. He knows you. He knows your name. He created you. He has plans for you. He has prepared a future for you. Our fellowship with God is essential. The life of faith develops as we fellowship with the Lord. So what does that mean? It's simple. We spend time with Him. We're aware of His presence. We interact with Him. We ask Him questions. We call, and the Lord answers. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, the Lord says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You know, sometimes people sit around feeling bad about life and themselves, not knowing what to do, and so they... Uh, sit in front of the TV, get some beer and popcorn, some chips and wings or whatever, try to watch enough football or basketball or whatever it is to uh, numb them. And they don't know what's going on, but 
they just stare at the TV or they stare at their navel and they gaze at their, you could say this in America, they gaze at their belly button. I, I found out when I was in the former Soviet Union that for Russian-speaking people, the, the navel is, is not something you talk about in public. I, I didn't know that. Uh, I found out by doing it. <laughs> and afterwards, many dear friends came up to me and said, Rabbi David, you, you can't say that. And I said, what? <laughs> well, I learned. But we're in America right now. And navel gazing, not just the Navy, but the belly button, is a common thing that people do. They just sit around and they stare into... They stare there somehow. And instead of asking questions, they just distract themselves. But the Scripture says, call to me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and unsearchable things you don't know. Jeremiah 29, verses 12 through 14 teaches us how important it is to open our hearts to him. Then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So we share our concerns with the Lord. We share our questions with Him. We share our joys with Him. We share our gratitude to Him. We sense His presence. This is so important. We have to develop this awareness and this sense. Worship and gratitude will help you develop a sense of His presence. The patriarch Jacob, Abraham's grandson, once proclaimed that God was in the place and he didn't know it. Sometimes we're oblivious to the presence of God. One way to become more aware of God's presence is to simply come to him and say this one Hebrew word, hineni, hineni. It translates, here I am. It's the response of faith, hineni, here I am. And we can take it further, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, use me. This response, I think, is the hallmark of our relationship with God. It's different from Adam. Do you remember God came down to be with Adam and called to Adam, Adam hid. God called Adam remained in hiding. Consider Abraham. God called, and Abraham answered. Abraham said, Hineni. We want to be a Hineni person. We want to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Hineni. Amazingly, God wants to be a Hineni God to us. Isaiah 58 verse 9, 
you will call out to the Lord, and he will answer, he named me. Here I am. The Spirit of God in you calls out to the Lord and says, Abba, Father. That's the essence of Psalm 89, verse 26. The servant of God will call out to God, saying this, You are my Father, my God, the Rock, my Savior. You are Avi, my Father. You are Eli, my God. You are Tzur, the Rock. You are Yeshua T, my salvation. Now, the life of faith also involves listening to God. The great prayer of the Jewish people, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Shema. We're called to be a Shema people. We're called to be a Hineni people and a Shema people. A Shema people, a people who are listening. Genesis 12, verse 1, we read again, The Lord said to Abraham, That is such a powerful idea. The Lord speaks and we listen. The life of faith is exciting because we learn to listen to him. We learn to hear his voice, to listen to what he says. We we read in the scriptures the written word, and I want to encourage you, let the scriptures speak with authority to you. But there are different ways that God can speak. He can speak spirit to spirit. He can speak heart to heart and mind to mind. He can speak through the scriptures, through the written word. He can speak through the rhema, the spoken word. We want to develop spiritual ears. Opening our ears and learning to listen carefully, knowing this, that listening involves hearkening. That's a good word. You don't hear that often. Hearkening is a word that means to hear and to do, to hear and to put into practice. And as we learn to listen, we learn to do. In fact, there's no reason to listen if we're not going to respond. Obedience is part of what we embrace. And we say goodbye to our life of independence from God. And we say hello to a life with God, and we appreciate that he saves us from sin, and we're mindful that he does more than that. He leads us. He mentors us. He instructs us. He fellowships with us. And that's why when we think about the life of faith, we can recognize that the life of faith is exciting. It's exciting to trust God and to see him working on our behalf. Think of the joy that you've experienced because of answers to prayer. The life of faith is filled with joy because God really does answer prayer. And we learn to pray with specifics. We learn to pray about specifics in our lives, and because we're fellowshipping with the Lord and we're reading His Word, He puts certain things on our hearts, and then we pray about those things, And he answers us, and it's exciting. Some of you have amazing answers to prayer. You have miracle babies. Anybody here with a miracle baby? Some of you are miracle babies. 
uh, yourself. You, you were a miracle baby. Any miracle babies in the room? Several here. Uh, you're not really babies anymore, but you, you were. Some of you have such incredible answers to prayer, healings that have taken place, provision that you've experienced, breakthroughs, restoration of broken relationships. Keep all this stuff in mind and tell others about the great things that God has done. I think the life of faith is rewarding because we grow and we develop. That scripture, those who believe in him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. The rewards from God are so incredible and some of the best rewards are this, we grow and we mature. We, we start out immature in many areas or in all areas. And we grow up and God builds up our character and God helps us develop as men, as women. It's very satisfying to grow instead of being stagnant. It is satisfying to develop instead of being stuck. God will build your character. He will build your giftedness. New situations that you will be in will require more character. New challenges will require more giftedness. And this is what's exciting. Both of these develop as we move forward in the life of faith. The life of faith is not just some private thing. It's not just religious life. The life of faith impacts other people for good. Abraham's life of faith shows us this. God blesses Abraham, and then Abraham becomes a blessing to other people. Be thou a blessing. Some people want to be associated with blessing because they want to get blessed. That's sort of the reverse direction. You want to take the blessings and then bless. The blessings that God has given you become a source of blessings that you can use on behalf of others. So Abraham becomes a blessing to others. He doesn't just hoard his blessings, and he doesn't play the prayer lotto, you know, the prayer lottery. You know what I mean by that? This is where people, like, they give money because they want to win the lottery of prayer. It's like, I gave money, and then I got, like, so much money. That's wrong. That's the wrong direction. We thank God for what he gives us because it enables us to even do more as a blessing to others. You become a blessing because God has initiated blessing in your life. And what works within you becomes visible and external. You become a blessing. You touch other people. I had a funny experience yesterday. 
got a delivery. The truck drove up to my driveway. I saw the guy getting ready to get the package out and, and bring it to me. And Sandy encouraged me, you know, go, go to him. So he doesn't have to walk up to the house where we're not standing. We're in the driveway. He may not see us. So I went up to him, and he looked at um, my name on the, the package, and he said, Levine? And I said, close, Levine. And he said, oh, do you know the mayor of Miami is Levine? And it's like, yeah. And so he wanted to know if we were in a relationship. I said, no, but we're all over the place. <laughs> and he said, she's Jewish. And I said, I am too. <laughs> and he said, I wake up every morning concerned about what's happening in Israel, concerned for the Jewish people, and I'm praying about the Jewish people. And he said this in such a nice way. And I thought, thank you. You know, like, thank you for this experience, this uh, expression of solidarity and love. It's important to, to be bold enough to connect with people before you know. And you can do that if you have an open heart and you expect people to bless you. Once I was in Orlando, I had to go uh, to uh, a board meeting that required that I take an Uber. So I got picked up by a guy. This is not in my notes. I hope I get, well, man, I'm running out of time. But I want to tell you this story because it's, it's, it's such a good story. And it's not too long. And so I get into the, the Uber and I see that the guy has his ID on his uh, visor, you know, like a taxi driver would. And, and I could read his name, and his last name was um, Hussein. And he had Assad in his name. So it was Assad Hussein. And I'm thinking... I've gotten into an Uber with someone connected to the, the dictator in Syria. And so my first thought was, you know, this is bad luck. <laughs> this is not good. My second thought was, but I have the Holy Spirit. And, and I've got a meeting to go to. Surely I'll get to the meeting. So somehow, he wanted to talk to me. And he asked me a question, and the only answer was an answer that revealed I was Jewish. And there was a pause, and I said something like, your name is interesting. And I said, uh, I only know one person who has this name. And he said, yes, I came from Syria. But it's not the country I grew up in. 
And then he started speaking about Jews. And he said, I love the Jewish people. And he told me the story about the Jewish man he worked for in New York City who took care of him as an immigrant and helped him uh, get established there and helped him buy a house and helped him uh, succeed in his life. And he said, I am so grateful for the Jewish people. And so then I told him some stories. And at the end of this ride, I said, thank you for driving me. And he said, no, thank you. This is the best ride I've had. And so we were both blessed. Now, that would not have happened if I was just my shy self. It would not have happened if I was afraid to talk or afraid for someone to know that I'm a Jew. We're wearing blue ribbons for Israel out in public so that others will know we're standing with Israel. We're not afraid. Now is the time to speak up. And so I'm telling you this because we want to take what God has put in us and let it become a blessing to other people. That driver who delivered things and told me about his prayers for the Jewish people, that was a blessing for me. That Syrian driver who was the Uber driver who told me about his love for the Jewish people and his appreciation, that was a blessing for me. If you want to experience those blessings, be thou a blessing. Be thou a blessing to others. The Holy Spirit's bold. He'll give you boldness even if your personality is not inclined to be bold. Now, there are some people who are so bold they're obnoxious. They know no limits. But you don't have to be bold in the wrong way. You can be bold in the right way. God can give you the right kind of boldness for your personality. And here's a key. To want to be helpful to other people and to share with others the blessing that God has given you. So the life of faith will take you on adventures. It'll bring you into new situations. It'll take you where no one has ever gone before. Abraham lived an adventurous life, and you can too. There is incredible, incredible pleasure in serving God. The fulfillment that it brings, the relationship with God that it brings, the fruit in our lives, the meaning, the, the blessing, the joy, the transformations, the way we develop, the ways that we mature, the experiences we have, the strengths that are built into us, the hidden qualities that are revealed, and the latent talents and gifts that emerge, the learning that's useful, that helps us with other areas of our lives, the character traits that become ours, the endurance that develops in us, the perspectives and the insights that we develop, the spiritual gifts that we practice and develop, all the fruit that comes from the life of faith, these are the rewards. There's great joy in serving the Lord. It's exciting to live the life of faith. Lech lecha, get yourself up and go. We've got to act. 
God's responsibility is to guide us to the destination, which is not exactly an end point. When we say destination, it's more than that. Maybe it's better to say the purpose or the goal because it's related to geography, yes, but it's not limited or defined only by geography. And remember this, what unites us is our calling, which is a sense of purpose. Yeshua put it this way in Matthew 24. Verses 12 and 13, because of the multiplication of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. Noah faced this. Wickedness was increasing. Noah was surrounded by wickedness, but he loved God and he persevered. So he was an example of what Yeshua taught. The one who perseveres or endures to the end will be saved. And the word translated in the Greek end is the, the word telos. It means purpose or ultimate aim or goal. It's not just about a destination for a trip. It's about a purpose. We are holding on to the purpose. We're holding on to the telos. We're holding on to our calling, the restoration of Israel's faith the restoration of Israel's mission to be a light to all nations, the restoration of Jewish faithfulness to the Lord through Messiah, the redemption of all the nations of the world. And if this happens quickly, hallelujah. And if it takes 120 years, like the sages say, it took for Noah, or 220 years, so be it. Let's do our work. Let's be people who are building an ark together. Let's be sons of, and daughters of Abraham who are faithful to our assignment as our father Abraham was. Let's stay focused on him and his purposes to the end, to the goal, to the purpose. This is how you see the salvation of God. It's not by giving up in the middle or when you've received the blessings and then the persecution comes and you say, well, I'm not, I didn't sign up for this. Here's the truth. My last word to you today. Actually, you did. That's exactly what you signed up for. And so make yourself happy about it. Don't be miserable. Be, be joyful and anticipatory. And yes, there are times of sorrow. And yes, there are times of mourning. And we mourn and we express our sorrow with the Lord and with, another, with one another. And we receive comfort and we go on. That's our story. That's the story of the sons and the daughters of Abraham. We hope against hope. We don't waver. Well, I think I'm finished. <laughs> hey, remember this. You can pick up a blue ribbon for Israel right after the service closes. Come up to Aaron Diem. He's got a basket of blue ribbons and pins you will have to pin yourself. You can... 
Also, pick up one of our new Through the Scriptures reading plans for this year. They're at the welcome desk in the lobby. Remember, let's all stand. We're keeping our eyes on the Lord. We're honoring Him. We're finding strength and determination with Him and with one another. And to those of you who are joining us by podcast, by live stream, on Facebook and YouTube, if you want to stand with us, we are so grateful for your financial support with your tithes and your offerings, and we're so thankful for your contributions to the Israel Emergency Fund. And we thank you for all the words of encouragement. Keep them coming. They mean so much to us, and we need them. If you want to support Beth Israel financially, you can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving. For all the details, our online giving platforms, our giving fire and PayPal, you can find our mailing address for checks and your bank bill pay services. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing now. <laughs> retired, retired Navy says, naval gazing is not just about the Navy? That joke was so bad it was funny. It, it, <laughs> It's called a rabbi joke. It's a rabbi joke, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's slightly lower than a dad joke. <laughs> I'm coming apart here. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisar Adonai p'navelecha v'yasam lecha. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.